Does the world really need another podcast? There are over 5 million podcasts available globally with 70 million episodes that you can catch in 150 languages. So why go to the trouble of adding yet another? In Luke chapter 5, when Jesus finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. So if one heart can be touched, if one mind can be renewed, and if just one life could be transformed, then I think it's worth it. This is one more cast. God bless Sunday. I didn't hear Jane say it. Uh, oh, yes. Yes, God bless Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we do have a couple of handouts. Our ushers could come forward and <laughs> maybe I'll just pass half on this side off on the other side. Yeah, sorry. Don't get a favor. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks, Sister Ray. Of course. So I don't know if in today's digital world, if you guys are used to using paper, so just use caution, don't get a paper cut. And I was surprised that Sister Wright was able to print these out, because I didn't know we even had printers left in the building, but thank you for getting those things printed out. So I think uh, Sonia put out a message on the app, which, by the way, thank you all for using the app. So if you're not using Church Center, I highly encourage you to use that. We'll be communicating just about everything via the Church Center app. Obviously, lots of resources there. Hopefully, you have your notifications on. I personally loathe notifications. So I had to turn mine back on as well. But you can go in there and kind of doctor it up so you can only get certain groups notifications. So I totally get that you won't want any other notification except for CTM. <laughs> totally get that. So if that's what you want and if you can't do that, go to Micah Benson is my resident IT person. He can help us get that accomplished. So we're going to be, uh, as Sonia announced, we're going to be covering time management and there'll be about seven sessions. Now there'll be a week or two when I'm going to have to be gone and so there'll be others that kind of come in. But time management has become sort of a, a candy stick for me, but the reason it's such a candy stick is because it absolutely revolutionized my life. And so I was sitting in a chair at work about a 90-minute drive from ground zero when 9-11 happened. And uh, I know that there are others that were way closer, <laughs> but it still felt kind of close to home. And that same morning, I was actually listening to a radio program. It was WTIC in Hartford, Connecticut. And uh, this guy, Ray Dunaway, I miss old Ray Dunaway. I just love talk radio. He had this guest speaker on, and the guest speaker's name was Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy is is a legend in terms of personal development, time management, and all that. So it kind of piqued my interest. It piqued my interest because I kind of grew up in a culture where the idea of self-help and personal development, if they thought about it at all, it was kind of scoffed at. But most of the time, it wasn't even really thought about. And I totally get it. Like, There's about a billion self-help books out there. And the reason why there's going to be another one next year and it's going to sell really well is because we're all idiots. <laughs> and we need some help. So there's a big market for it. 
And so, but I, but this whole time management idea kind of came, you know, full circle for me. And he wrote this book, Brian Tracy, called Eat That Frog. So if you've never read Eat That Frog, um, I would recommend it. It's 21 ways to stop procrastinating and get more things done. It just opened a whole new world to me. And the reason it was a big deal to me, and I'm probably in the presence of a lot of people who have already accomplished a lot and managed their time really well, but for me, if you've ever read the book Hillbilly Elegy, like that's my life. That's, that's where I came from. If you've, ne if you've never read it, I recommend um, that you read it. Just know that there are some swears in there. It, they're quoting like real life, probably stuff that we all have heard, and, and, and I just don't necessarily endorse that language, obviously, but... If you do listen to the audio, just make sure that little ears aren't around you. So my parents, God bless them, have broken the cycle in terms of their family history. They're uh, kind of rough around the edges still, but they're sweet and they've stayed together. They, neither of them graduated high school. And my mom, actually my dad, tell his story first, is the 13th out of 14 kids. And when my dad was in kindergarten, his father retired. Lots of wonderful people, but think hillbilly elegy. Okay, <laughs> Kentucky, Southern Indiana. Uh, my mom's side, so she got into this um, genealogy about ten years ago, and the person that she always thought was her father turned out to not be father. So her family kind of lied to her, probably out of good motive and all that, but. The guy that uh, she always thought was her father wasn't. Her actual biological father was found frozen to death under the Ruby Dew River Bridge in Waynesville, Missouri, which is where I hail. And he was the town drunk. He was the town drunk. In many, many ways, you know, we've been fortunate to travel pretty broadly and teach time management. And, and every single time, I just feel so grateful because... You just have no idea what God can do in a life when somebody just says, hey, I want to focus on making sure every minute that I have, every minute that I have is for purpose. And so just thank God. Thank God. So we're going to teach you some tactical stuff in probably lessons three, four, five, six, and seven. But... The last thing in the world you need is to start with the tactical stuff if you're off the rails. And, and the reason is, when you get this tactical stuff, it's really like ninja level time management, okay? But I don't want you to get good at time management to keep up with the current chaos. Like Psalm 23 said, he restores my soul. I'd like to restore, like hit the factory reset button on some things. So that's why we're starting with Put Your Dream to the Test by John Maxwell. So a handful of years ago, I went to John Maxwell training and became certified coach, speaker, and trainer. My favorite part of the John Maxwell team is coaching. So I'll be teaching, but I'll be doing it from a coaching mentality. And a coaching mentality, according to the Maxwell method, starts with the premise that the answer is probably already within the client. And I don't mean like follow your heart like, you know, Elsa, let it go, you know, Walt Disney, follow your heart. But probably you either have the answers or have been exposed to the answers. And as the coach, mentor, trainer, teacher, I'm going to draw these things out. 
and help you to kind of bring things, you know, full center and full focus. If anybody have Bibles, if I could get some readers, somebody go to Proverbs and I'll have you read three passages in the 15th and 16th chapter. So just raise your hand and I'll acknowledge you that way we know. So Brother Wilkins has got Proverbs. Somebody else, can you go to Luke 14? Luke 14, Brother Stumbo, since your name is Luke, I'm going to give you Luke 14. Um, somebody read for me in Jeremiah, so go to Jeremiah 29, and I'll circle back in just a second, and we'll, we'll focus on these verses. Do we need more chairs? I have a question. I know, I know. So somebody has Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29, yeah, Brother Grant. Um, somebody, oh, you don't have to read Acts 6, but somebody, last portion, Galatians 4, Galatians chapter 4, so Brother um, Faulkner. So Proverbs, uh, let's go 1522, 1522, Proverbs. <clears throat> go ahead. Uh, without counsel, purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Right, so 16.3 and then 16.9. Uh, 63, commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And then 69, a, man, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Yeah. So in all three of those Proverbs, I want you to think about this essence. We should be thinking about our future. We, sh we should be planning. We, we, we really can't just wait. Right? Now, sometimes, Paul Martinelli from John Maxwell Team taught me, you do have to jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. Right? Sometimes that happens. And sometimes the best laid plans get messed up on Tuesday morning. And Mike Tyson said, you know, Bishop Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the nose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So absolutely we need to be agile, adaptive, flexible, we need to readjust. We need to recalibrate. But we need to plan. Okay? So somebody get, actually, Pastor Stumbo, uh, Luke 14, 28 through 30. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, it all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build, but was not able to finish. Wow. What happens to the person that doesn't plan to build? It doesn't work, and he gets mocked. So we should be thinking about our future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Yeah, Brother Grant. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you the expected end. So the Lord has a plan for you. Right? And I don't know that our plan necessarily needs to be different from his plan. Matter of fact, I think it'd be a good idea to align with his plan. But the fact is, whether you're feeling after the Lord and, and you're, you know, submitting to godly authorities, you're listening to answers to prayer, you're looking at your circumstances, and then you're trying your best to align with what you think is the will of God, Either way, there's forethought there for your future, right? So that is really like the reset button on time management. It is asking ourselves some questions. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Because I'm going to teach you 
10 principles of time management, and I'm going to teach you the GTD system. But if you're doing the wrong thing with your life, I'm almost enabling you to break the will of God efficiently. <laughs> that's not what you need, and, and that's not what any of us need. I know none of us want that. Somebody, I uh, think it was, was it Brother Grant, Galatians 4? Who had Galatians 4? Yeah, Brother Faulkner, sorry. 1 through 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all, but is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman under the law. So when God became a man, it was at the perfect time. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If he had shown up in Nineveh instead of Jonah, it would have been fine because that would have apparently been God's plan. But he didn't. And when a prophet shows up full grown with seaweed sticking off his head, like Jonah, it proves to me that God could have accomplished it that way. But when God decided to become a man, to reveal himself, and to be our savior, he became 23 chromosomes that joined with Mary's 23 chromosomes, and for the mathematicians in the house, became 46 chromosomes, which is a human being. And he was in the womb, so much so that when Mary walked into Elizabeth's house, John the Baptist wept in the womb of Elizabeth. So he did not just show up like a man, like, okay, I'm ready to be crucified. There was a conception. There was a gestation. There was a circumcision. There was 12 years old, you know, I must be about my father's business. There was starting of his rabbinical ministry when he was 30 years old. It was a process. It was a plan. And it was little by little, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark, up to and including crucifixion, burial, and resurrection. So, I believe, because remember, I come from hillbilly elegy, that resetting back to the original, am I doing the right stuff, is at the root of time management. Make sense? So, so we're going to talk a little bit about dreams, and I'm going to give you, we're going to talk about five different questions in just a few minutes, and we'll do it kind of workshoppy. So, so when we go to do these questions, you don't have to have all the answers right now. This is really more of a, of a diving board for you to sort of contemplate, think about, and especially in spousal conversation, which is a pretty technical term. You'll need to think about this a little bit more than just 30 seconds, you know, right before we eat macaroons. So, there are daydreams, there are highs in the sky, there's bad dreams, there are idealistic dreams, there are vicarious dreams, romantic dreams, career dreams, destination dreams, and material dreams. And whether your dream is an inspiring picture or not, if your dreams are aligned with the will of God and God's plan for your life, just like it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, your whole mind, will, and emotions will be engaged. And you'll be in kind of like your wheelhouse. 
Like you, it will feel right. It, you will feel stronger, more efficient, more effective. There's a kind of a little nugget here. I'll place a little little brownie here in the uh, early onset. When you think about the things that you want to do in your dreams and in your time management, you should do 10 times more of what you're really good at and none of what you're not so good at. I'll, I'll say that again. We like the idea of playing to our strengths, right? But then we kind of go back to a medium, mediocrity. We should do 10 times more of what we're really good at and none of what we're not good at. And so, I'm not good at paying my mortgage. <laughs> Babe, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but I'm really that good at taking out the trash. So, I mean, Brother Max said in time management that we should do 10 times more of what we're good at and none of what we're not good at. So all the dudes in the house are like making this long list right now. <laughs> all the things I'm not going to do anymore. It doesn't quite work that way, but, but the idea, the principle is there. There are things that we do have to do in life that aren't necessarily in alignment with our dreams. They're not necessarily the things that we like to do, yet we still have to feed the dog and bathe the kids and, and do all those sorts of things. But when it comes to getting in line with the will of God, you might like to be you know, playing guitar and singing like Sister Die, but it might not be your biggest strength. And that's totally cool. We should do exactly what we're strengthened in and what we're gifted in and what we're good at. Ten times more. Okay. I promise you we're not going full matrix. There are some reasons, though, that we, we don't identify our dreams and we don't play to our strengths and, and we don't see our dreams realized. Discouragement is one. Anybody ever been discouraged? Has anybody ever discouraged themselves? Stop doing that. <laughs> Pro tip. Don't discourage yourself. You know why? Because there are plenty of other people in this world that are ten times better at it. Other people will be discouraging you. Anybody ever been disappointed? Because, yeah. Because maybe you didn't plan right. Maybe you worked really hard, but you still failed. Maybe just circumstances happened. Maybe somebody else failed you. Has anybody ever settled? <clears throat> just kind of be like, okay, I guess I'll just do this. You don't have to admit it publicly, but probably all of us at some level. Anybody ever experienced a lack of confidence? Anybody ever look at somebody else that seems to be lacking confidence and you're like what an idiot that, that person should be full of confidence right but raise your hand if within the last 24 hours you felt less than confident about something within the last 48 hours yeah right I mean within the last 10 minutes it happens so back at the uh Back at the summer home last summer, I did a little lesson and I told a little story. So my apologies if this is the second time you've heard it, but it's the story about the experiment with the monkeys. Anybody remember that story? The experiment with the monkeys. A few of you might remember it. So apparently these scientists put these monkeys in a room 
there's like a steel pole right in the middle of the room, and at the top of the pole, there's a bunch of bananas. Monkeys dig bananas. <laughs> so, didn't know if you know that. So the monkey runs in, and he climbs a pole, and as soon as he gets ready to reach for the bananas, this hot blast of high-pressure cold water hits him right in the face. He's running down, he's scared, he's cold, he's frustrated, he still wants those monkey, he still wants those bananas. Second monkey comes in, tries to run up, gets about an inch or so away from the bananas, the scientist push the button and bam, blast, cold water, high pressure in his face, slides down the pole, he's in the other corner whimpering, the other one's in the other corner whimpering. Third monkey comes in, gets ready to run up the pole, the other two monkeys grab him and don't let him go up the pole. So, like, they completely subdue him, and that monkey's looking up there at those bananas. They keep cycling in these monkeys until not a single monkey in the room has ever been blasted with cold water. But every single time they put a new monkey in, the rest of the monkeys race up and grab the fresh monkey before he can climb the pole. The story is the monkeys have no idea now why they're stopping their friend from getting those bananas, but they just know they should be stopping their friend. And that causes discouragement and disappointment and settling and lack of confidence. And every single one of us have been held back by either our own monkey brains or the other monkeys in our lives. <laughs> Much more fun to blame the others. But at the end of the day, these are dream crushers. And whether you felt a lack of confidence or settling in or disappointment or discouragement, I can guarantee if you've never had a dream crushed, buckle up because it'll probably happen and probably we've had some dreams crushed. So there was a survey done of these highly successful leaders. And again, probably would be very similar results if we surveyed everyone in this room anonymously. 100% of successful leaders have a dream, especially Martin Luther King Jr., <laughs> at least half that had a dream have given up on a dream and man that's that's just a shame that's just a shame ideas and dreams that could have possibly changed the world and even if not the world all seven point something billion people your neighbors life. You could have changed your family's life. You could have broken the cycle. Just like, thank God my parents broke the cycle and, and Lord knows, you know, if Sonia doesn't leave me before it's over, we're going to try to break the cycle too. But giving up on a dream, that other half, that other half, all these shattered, broken dreams. 95% of highly successful people accomplish a dream and, and probably, if you just made a quick little short list, we could probably all think of little minor dreams, little dreamettes that we may have accomplished throughout our lives, but not the, not the big one, not, not the mother load, not the one or the two that we really have a strong desire. 95% have been frustrated at times trying to pursue their dream. Now, I don't want you to be discouraged by these statistics. Matter of fact, I think you should be encouraged because these are successful leaders 
These are people that shoot for the moon and land among the stars. So just because you've had a shattered dream or multiple shattered dreams, that puts you in pretty decent company. So it means that you're a dreamer and it means that you're trying. So don't feel bad if you've, if you've ever failed, if you've ever had a dream, just come to naught. So the five things we're going to ask in just a couple of minutes, and we should be about another 10 minutes, we'll be done for tonight. We're going to talk about ownership for a second. We're going to talk about clarity. We're going to talk about reality, passion, and the pathway. The next session, we'll work on the five things that are on the right-hand side. So if you want to fill in the blanks on uh, page five there, some people have been discouraged from dreaming by others. And I do have some... some Garbage pens, if you want to. I'm kind of a pen snob. Yeah. Some people have been discouraged from dreaming by. Anybody want to take a guess what that blank is? Discouraged from dreaming by others. Thank you, Brother Vince. Some people, number two, are hindered by disappointments and hurts. I love this quote from Sister Margaret Thatcher. You may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. That's a, that's a great quote. You may have to fight a battle more than once to win it. Number three, some people get in the habit of settling for... Less could be good. Less is a good answer. It means it ultimately means the same thing. Average. Less than average. <laughs> Number four. Some people lack the confidence. The confidence needed to pursue their dreams. And then number five. Some people lack the imagination to dream. I didn't really plan on asking this question in this session and for the sake of time, but I just feel like it's, it could really help us. You don't have to raise your hand. And if you want to answer, I just ask that you keep your answer to like five seconds. <laughs> Is anybody not living their dream right now? I see some heads nodding. You don't have to raise your hand. Is anybody not living the dream right now? Anybody want to share? Don't feel pressure. Yeah, Brother Vince. Uh, what if your dream has changed? Because my dream in high school is much different than your dream now. And I don't even know if I have necessarily a defined dream in my head. Yeah. Phenomenal question. I'm going to give an answer to that. And then the reason we're doing this is because dreams almost always change. It's a great question. Very insightful. Give it up for Vince. He's a genius. It is, it is a great question. So one of the tenets of time management, whether it be Michael Hyatt, Alec McKenzie, Neil Mack, Tim Ferriss, David Allen, is a, a regular review of your dreams and your goals and your aspirations. 
And, and the fact is, and, and this, you could write a whole book on this, this topic, is you might carve out a well-laid dream. And it's right at the moment that you pursue that dream. But I learned a long time ago from this guy named Dr. Gregory Barnes. He was a flaming liberal, but he was, he was, he was right about this. He said, he said, when you pursue the horizon and when you get there, there's another horizon. There's a lot of wisdom in that. And so that really kind of dials into your question. It's a great question. It's a great question. I think probably uh, I am... I'm living a dream, and I'm very satisfied with a handful of dreams, but I'm reaching for another dream at the same time. So, so I guess maybe one way to kind of clarify is don't get fixated on a dream, but every time you think of a dream, it should go through this same process, if that makes sense. Okay. So we're going to take about 30 seconds on each one of these five questions on page six. And I think we'll still be doing pretty good on time. Again, don't think too deeply about this. Try to write in shorthand and make short, quick notes. This is something that we're going to go back to and you should go back to from time to time. <clears throat> this is the ownership question. If you read the book, and I, again... Lots more in here. But I want you to, to begin to think about this question. Again, answer shortly. Is the dream or a dream that I'm pursuing right now really my dream? Or is it a dream that someone else has either placed on me or I assume that they've placed on me? Do we need to get Dr. Phil? <laughs> When it's your dream and you own it, you're betting on yourself. You're leading your life. And obviously, with the guidance of the Lord, with the guidance of, of spiritual authority, you're loving what you do if it's your dream and it's not someone else's dream that they've placed on you. This is a biblical concept, not to compare ourselves with other people. If I compared my musical skills with Pastor Stumbo, I mean... I mean, he can't take me a pickleball at all, like not even close. But, but I have to lord that over him just to keep some sort of balance in the universe because of his music ability. I can't compare, and he can't compare. We, we can't compare ourselves. He certainly can't compare. <laughs> and if it's your ownership, you're going to believe in it. You're going to be sold out to it. Okay. Next one, and again, my apologies for the art. Do you clearly see the dream? I think I might have quoted a stat a couple weeks ago. 97% of the world's population does not have written goals. 97%. The 3% that do accomplish 10 times more than the balance. 
just by clearly articulating and writing down what the goal is. Do you clearly see what your goal is? You don't have to right now. And if you don't, don't lie to yourself and, and don't kid your spouse. But if you don't see it, you can and you should. You don't have to rush it at all. But you need to answer that question honestly. Do I clearly see the dream? By feeling, by hearing, by sensing, by thinking, by seeing. Three second lesson on the will of God. There are four components to discerning the will of God, in my opinion. Circumstances, answers to prayer, godly advice, and your feelings. Those four things. If all four of those things are green light, good chance you're seeing the dream and you're seeing the will of God pretty clearly. If any one of those four red light, then you should red light. It's, it's been a really good template. I was taught that by a very wise man a long time ago. Okay, number three. I don't think I realized it was going to take so long to get you to see all these bullet points. I'm happy to share the PowerPoint with anyone that wants to see it. Maybe we can make it available in the resources. Okay, the reality question. And this is a really, really... It should be cut and dry, but it's not something we always tell ourselves the truth about. Am I depending on factors within my control to achieve my dream? Example, I've recently taken up golf. I would love to compete at the senior tour at the Masters. What are you laughing at? <laughs> She's laughing because she knows that there are factors that are out of my control. So whether or not you can accomplish your dream, there may be things that you just can't do. Now I know in today's day and age, you're a man and you want to go win a woman's track event. That's the only time I will win. I know. I know. You see what I did with my voice there? Does, is that question very clear? Am I depending on factors that I can actually do something about? To Because if you can't, then maybe it's not the right dream. This is putting your dream to the test. The fourth question is the passion question. And, and sorry to reference a secular reference, but Sister Act, remember in Sister Act when the student asked whatever the lady's name was, Whoopi Goldberg was the Sister actor. Mary Sister Mary Clarence. Sister Mary Clarence. Thank you, Pastor Hunter. <laughs> hey, we can edit this recording. Don't you even worry. <laughs> girl says, hey, how do I know if I'm supposed to be a singer? Right? And Sister Mary Clarence said, girl, <laughs> when you wake up in the morning, and if all you can think about is singing, you're supposed to be a singer. Now, when I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about how terrible it is to be waking up in the morning. <laughs> 
said, bro, you're supposed to be asleep. <laughs> Does the dream actually compel you? Like Jack London's Call of the Wild, when that dog Buck wasn't a wolf, but when he hears the wolves howling, he's trying to look through the wall of the log cabin and the hackles of his hair stand up. Does the dream compel you that much? It's the passion question, and, and you have to answer that. It does or it doesn't. Or maybe some of your dreams do, but not all of them do. Maybe like Brother Vince said, hey, what if my dream changes? What if I'm not passionate about it anymore, but I'm passionate about something else? The fifth one is the pathway. And this goes back to Luke chapter 4 and Proverbs chapter 15 and 16 and Jeremiah 29 and Galatians chapter 4 verses 1 through 4. Do you actually have a pathway to get there in all reality? Do you have the means? Do you have an idea? Do you have the support? Do you have a way to actually see this dream come about? Now, again, this is getting way back to the original. But again, 97% of people don't have written goals. What we're honing down on and what we'll do hopefully by the end of next week is we'll be able to answer the question, am I really doing what I should be doing, and then I can start managing my time to accomplish the things that I should really be doing. Palatable? Makes sense? Is it making you ask questions now? Making you curious? Yes. What were the four things again? Oh, yeah, for the will of God. There's the will of God for the universe. Okay? That is... For us to know who he is, and Sister Wilkins is going to know, pick up on my readout influences here, to know who he is. That's the will of God. When you know who he is, you can then respond to his plan of salvation. That's the general will of God for all things in the universe. Divine guidance, which is what we oftentimes think of as the will of God, is what do I do about it now? What do I do about it a week from now, two months from now? Not necessarily in this order, but circumstances, answers to prayer, feelings, and then lastly, godly slash spiritual authority. I think for the most part, whenever we've made a big change or done something in our lives, all four of those things are green light. If any one of the four are red light, it's a full red. Now, this is not the divinely inspired oracle of God, okay? But these are principles extrapolated from his word and have been vetted and tested by men of renowned wisdom over time. So when I say that, I don't want you to ever think anything that I say is just like the gospel inspired word of God. But this is my opinion. I know you were the, you were going there. Well, he's basically the Pope. <laughs> Didn't you see the white smoke? <laughs> yeah. Yes, Brother Grant. How would you distinguish a dream from a poem? So, the call of God can happen scripturally. Jesus walks by a disciple that's mending his net. And he called him and said, follow me. He had no dream. 
But Peter standing up after three and a half years being exposed to the calling dreamed of, man, I got to go to this city. I got to go to that city. I got to go to this city. I got to go to that city. Paul, on the road to Damascus, was called that day. I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Calling, but the dream happens, I think, especially in a spiritual person's life, a spiritually mature person's life. A dream comes from a multitude of business, which is proper. So, people of the world, without the Holy Ghost, without truth, can have dreams that are connected to the principles of God. People that are apostolic have dreams that are birthed from the calling. When you ask tough questions like that, I have to compress like a chapter and like a sentence. <laughs> exhausting. Anybody else? Is this, do you like this material? Do you think it's going to be helpful? Phenomenal question. I don't, want to, I don't want to overstay my welcome. Any other questions or comments, concerns? I encourage you to think deeply about these things. No way in a five-second answering session in a class will you reach the full depth of what this question is meant for you to arrive at. So think about this. Pray about it together. We're going to start praying about it together. I think, I think it can really take us back to a restoration of dreams and calling for the grant. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so, so much for your presence. Thank you for speaking to us and ministering to our hearts and souls in this place. God, we all want to do your will. We want to do it today. We want to do it 20 years from now. We want to make sure, since we know that your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts higher than our thoughts, that the dreams that we have, Lord, are true God-given dreams and God-inspired dreams, Lord. We don't want to just go our own way. Lord, when we repented of our sins, we decided to follow after you and turn 180 degrees from all the desires that our flesh wanted. Lord, we want to be in you. We want your words to abide in us. So that when we ask things, Lord, we ask them in your will. When we seek you, we find you, God. And when we ask for wisdom, you give it to all men liberally, Lord. And we just pray that you would continue to do that for us here. Bless us tonight, Lord. Thank you for these snacks, God. Thank you for our fellowship. Keep us all safe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you.